Welcome back to the Rain Cane Sports Podcast. I'm the host, Hunter Hart. We're recording this on a Monday night. Uh, Tulsa's 1-1, one and, one, and I'm joined by Zach Jones. Zach, how are you doing today? Doing all right. Pretty tired. Um, got tired of watching touchdowns on Saturday <laughs> and uh, a lack of touchdowns from the pros the next day. I think I saw, like, what, there was... Going into Sunday night's game, no quarterback had thrown over two touchdown passes, and no no running back had over one running rushing touchdown. Wow, it was, it was kind of a weird well, Kareem Hunt Sunday. Yeah, yeah. Was, I mean, it was going into I don't know. It might have been the three o'clock games or oh, okay. midway through those or something like that. But they were they were some pretty bad offensive individual numbers. But uh, other than that, yeah, just have you know schools picking up a little bit. I'm, I'm pretty sure we say that every podcast, but. <laughs> um, yeah, how are you doing? Man, I'm doing good. Uh, life is good. I'm good. Weather's good. To you? Weather is good. To be determined. <laughs> to be determined. <laughs> to be determined. Man, um, I don't know if you've read, uh, I put out my thoughts today on that game. And mm-hmm. uh, in my preview, I said to you would struggle early on, but cruise in the second half to a 24 point victory mm-hmm. i was right on the money yeah you did miss one part though <laughs> unfortunately i also said that it was going to be uh 44 to 20 i said lafayette will not score more than 20 meaningful points well they scored 42 <laughs> and mm-hmm. they earned every single one of them um Zach, what is your number one prevailing thought uh, from Saturday's game? Um, man, I have two, but if I had to uh, limit it to one, it's that the uh, the defense has been disappointing so far. I mean, I understand uh, going to Stillwater week one against, I mean, probably at the end of it all, it's going to be one of the best offenses in uh, Division One football history. The Cowboys have weapons everywhere. Uh, on the roads, tough against the top ten team is tough. Um, I can understand that being a poor showing, but from uh, the Louisiana Lafayette raging Cajuns, the uh, apostrophe Chili Peppers, <laughs> as their logo shows. Um, I mean, I objectively speaking, I I did like their offense. Um, they, I mean always seemed to have kind of like a wide receiver coming across in motion um ran some like quick outs in the flat and reverses and things of that nature and they had an athletic quarterback but um i believe you covered it in your uh your recap but we we just looked slow out there and i don't know if that was because that team is undersized and they're kind of you know all the bigger guys go to the bigger schools so they just have to uh put up with the uh quick guys that kind of have a chip on their shoulder and that's who attends Louisiana Lafayette um or if it was a a mental thing where guys were kind of undecided until it was too late um you know we we talk about Cooper Edmiston or uh Robert Revels before he got hurt or uh, I mean anybody that's not necessarily on those guys but anybody in the defense um I wasn't watching to single anybody out but uh Anybody on the defense that's you know new or has a different role in uh, McKinley Whitfield's case, um, maybe you know takes an extra half second to decide what the right thing to do is, and that allows the guy to get the edge or get past you, uh, get behind you, and things like that. Um, the defense, I mean, I made the bold prediction of we're going to lead the the conference in sacks as a defensive line. Um, I I still think that's within reach. Um, our defensive line, I mean isn't like completely dominant but i mean we get some decent pressure uh we lost contain a couple times uh saturday but they they look all right um everybody else though is a a little bit concerning but i'm not ready to uh, give up on them yet yeah i mean i don't know what it was with the speed because you know you and i both were not watching very many louisiana lafayette rage and cajun games um we try to do you know the research that we can, and from what we saw last year, they were a bad offensive team. They have a new mm-hmm. offensive coordinator, but no like transfers or anybody that was supposed to make an impact. And then they come in and 
hang 42 on us. So, you know, sure, it's a possibility that their offense is going to exceed expectations this year and be one of the best. But as it stands right now, it looks like a bad offense came in and put up a lot of points on us. And what was disappointing is that there's no, like, there's no silver lining or way you can spin this. I mean, Lafayette's drives were 54 yards, 54 yards, 63 yards. After the second half, they went 75-yard touchdown. Next possession, 77-yard touchdown. So and they were just moving the ball down the field on us and scoring. Um, and as it stands right now, Tulsa has the second highest scoring defense uh, in all of college football in front of only Louisiana Lafayette. Um, so concerning, yes. Um, I like how you brought up the defensive line because that's something that I was going to talk about is I agree that I thought they did get pressure on the quarterback and that they just weren't able to contain him this week versus Toledo. Uh, they're going to really be able to pin their ears back and get after the quarterback. So we're going to see what we really have this week because Toledo is a very pass-heavy team. Um, yeah, and then um, we talked to Trent Martin on Thursday, and one of the things he talked about was McKinley Whitfield um, in the star linebacker position had a great game in Stillwater. And then uh, we come into this game, and we have – Diamond can die Diamond Diamond. Sorry, I I don't know how to pronounce it. D I A M O N Cannon uh, coming in and playing the star linebacker role, and then he has a great game. Um, mm-hmm. So that's one of the things that I wanted to talk about. Additionally, was just the position battles we saw out there. I mean, we saw Allie Green, uh, true freshman, playing out at corner um, for a large part of the game. Uh, we saw Garrett Flannery true freshman defensive tackle playing for mm-hmm. a large part of the game. Um, so it seems like they're still figuring it out. It seems like that Cooper is a constant. Um, obviously, the uh, Craig Suits is a constant. Jay Mitch, Manny are a constant. Um, but it seems everywhere else, um, especially those outside linebackers, star linebacker positions, uh, is up for grabs. Mm-hmm. I mean, I... I think Coach Mon- Monty. I mean, obviously the the, uh, the quarterback is the the main concern. I'm sure we'll talk about it, um, but the main you know position battle. But I really think that he's open to uh, switching anything around. I mean, I think there's guys like uh, uh, D'Angelo Brewers are one back. We got uh, the wide receivers are kind of settling on the offensive line. Is I mean just solid. That's we could spend the next 45 minutes talking about them and it wouldn't do them justice to like what they mean to this team. Um, but yeah, I mean, other than, you know, maybe Craig suits, Jesse Brubaker. Uh, I mean, I, even them, I don't know if, if someone, you know, started working harder and outperform them, if they'd even be on the field that much longer. Um, obviously there's reasons that they're in those roles right now, but, um, I think we're going to see a lot of experimenting with, which uh which corners line up where which packages they're in on um again who plays that star linebacker role which seems to be a a linchpin position this year um or i mean anywhere else on the field i i think we're gonna see quite a few different uh substitutions throughout the season yeah i think jeremy smith has played uh really well so far Mm -hmm. this season um and you know this again this is something that uh, the defensive line, not my forte at all. But I, I think that Jesse Brubaker has been a little quiet so far this year. Uh, he had two tackles mm-hmm. against OSU, six tackles versus um, Lafayette. And him moving outside to the end position um, is an experiment. And I don't know how well it's working so far. Uh, do you have any thoughts on that? I mean, I I don't really. I think it's kind of a... Um uh, log jam type situation where we have uh, a lot of talent and we'd rather get them all on the field even if you know one of them's not playing in their ideal position uh, just to have them on the field together um, I think I mean that can go with several different positions but I think I think the defensive line especially I think you know Jeremy Smith uh, Colton Schindelar and uh, and Brew Baker are the three probably most talented guys that we're going to try and get on the field as much as we can so 
Um, I think, you know, maybe the, the drop-off for the backup uh, uh, defensive line position for the defensive tackle is less than uh, for the defensive end, so moving Brubaker out to the end perhaps gives us uh, more talent on the line. I'm not sure. I don't know. Uh, like you said, I'm not a defensive line guru. Um, I really have to make an effort to consciously watch specific players or specific position groups to really have thoughts after a game. Um, I, I didn't do that for this game, but yeah, it, I think, I think Brubaker is going to be able to get in the backfield wherever he is on the field. So, um, I'm not super concerned at this point. Um, but it's, uh, definitely something to watch moving forward is, uh, the defense of a whole as a whole, obviously, but, uh, like you said, Brubaker being in that new position, if he can really, you know, settle in and take advantage of it. And then um, from the secondary, it's really difficult to watch, um, to gauge the performance of the secondary whenever you're at a game, especially where we sit, where we don't have much elevation and we can't really see the field that well. But again, Mm -hmm. they gave up 300 passing yards to a quarterback who had thrown for 180, I think was his career high, which was last week. Um, he played a little bit last season, and he's he's more of a runner, but he threw for 300 yards against us. You know, we've been trying to figure out what's the story with uh, Keanu Hill. Is he going to play? When's he going to play? When do we get to see him again? And we just are getting nothing there. Um, so as it stands right now, uh, do, do you have any thoughts on the secondary? Um, personally, I really like the way that uh, Allie Green played. Uh, he's one of those long, lanky guys that just looks like he's meant to defend passes. Um, would be like a great defender in basketball, and maybe that can translate to a uh, corner. But it's just pretty surprising to see him uh, playing over Kerwin Thomas at times. Um, and then again, just the uh, the blown coverages. I don't know if they were blown coverages again, but receivers running wide open uh, in the middle of the field. Uh, did you have any thoughts on the secondary and maybe uh, what we're seeing from them? Uh, not too much. I mean, obviously their play hasn't been ideal, um, and it, it's the best case scenario is that you know Keanu Hill gets healthy and can get back out there and contribute as soon as possible. Um, I think it's uh, just kind of a tough situation where uh, you know Kerwin is talented, but probably not not the best number one guy to have but he could I mean stay with and do a good job on your number two um you know and then you go to uh I mean whoever else you want as a backup if you if you have to slide them up a position I think they you know struggle more without that number one guy being in there um I the the Cowboys game doesn't really count as far as I'm concerned I, I mean you could have great college defensive backs and I think they'd still be able to put up you know 30 plus points on you just because of how how the game is is called and everything um but yeah giving up that many you know open wide receivers like long plays um I think you tweeted about it um like making that guy look like Michael Vick back there yeah um it's it's tough to watch uh I think you know I think we'll get better when Keanu Hill gets back. Um, but I also think that we're going to improve with, like you said, Allie Green. That was his first experience, and you think he did a pretty good job. If you know if he can consistently give us what he gave us uh, Saturday, then I think we'll be fine. Uh, if you know anyone else just continues to grow and get better. Kerwin, you know, is kind of – I'm not saying he's going to stop improving, but he's pretty much the player he will be at this point. But you have younger guys in there that, uh, um, you know – could grow a lot and you know maybe even surpass or jump up a couple of spots on the depth chart by the end of the year um i'm not too concerned right now if uh even the toledo game they have a professional level quarterback up there um they could he could uh, potentially take advantage of the secondary but moving forward i think into conference play is when we'll see if the secondary is able to uh you know get some stops make a couple plays um I mean, even in the in the the, uh, the game in Stillwater against Oklahoma State, uh, our corners were in position a lot of times. They just, you know, couldn't get their head around to make the play, or you know, were out jumped or um, out muscled for a ball. They were they were doing the right thing. They just didn't quite get it completely done. 
um, again, which is understandable against the group of receivers that the Cowboys have. But um, they there's definitely promise and signs of good that I've seen so far from them. Yeah, I think the Toledo game, again, um, it's a game that we've been pointing to since the beginning of the season uh, for our offense to figure out if they have the firepower necessary. But now it's going to be – I'm excited to see the secondary play because uh, you know Toledo throws the ball all over the field. Uh, this is going to be a challenge, and it's going to be very indicative of teams like Memphis. And um, let's see, we don't play UCF this year. Um, well – It'll be indicative of how we perform against a team like Memphis uh, that can throw the ball all over the field uh, that we'll see quite a bit in the American Conference this year. Uh, so we'll learn a lot there. Uh, but let's move on to a couple positive now, uh, which is pretty much the offense, uh, 66 points. And again, like I said, uh, for our defense, they allowed 42 true points. The offense scored 66 true points. They did Phenomenal job, uh, 667 yards of offense. Uh, quite impressive running game, uh, extremely, extremely good. Again, um, 262 for Brewer, 60-plus uh, yards for Shamari and Corey Taylor, averaging over 6.5 yards per carry for Shamari, 5 for Taylor. Um, how many games this year do you think – that's not the right way to approach it, but um, we were pretty much running the ball at will, and it was our main slash only focus. How many games do you think you'll will be able to do that this year? Because I don't foresee them being able to do it against um, Houston, uh, maybe not against UConn, uh, teams that are talented defensively. I mean, it's a cliche, but I think it really is uh, a boxing match uh, approach. Um, for those who watched the uh, Mayweather-McGregor fight, you know, I think uh, if you're not if you're not attuned to what's actually going on, I think it's easy to uh, you know get caught up. And uh, there's I mean there was fans standing around us. They're like, why do we just keep running it? Why do we always do that thing? Um, my mom, for example, hates that play. Like, why do they just run it up the middle? Like that's a terrible. Like you can't just keep doing that every time. Unless you're uh, doing it against Tulsa. Yes, perhaps <laughs> as of recently, but. Um, I think our, I mean, we have an incredibly impressive offensive line. And, you know, for the first half, when everybody's fresh, everybody's ready to go, excited to play, um, you know, they can stuff the runs quite a few times. Um, you know, there'd be a couple teams, like you mentioned, Houston. Uh, I'm thinking, you know, Cincinnati or Memphis usually has some athletes uh, on the line. Um, or UConn, for example, with their defense. Uh, I think it's tougher to, uh, you know, have that strategy prevail. But against other teams we play, uh, Navy's not the most sizable guys, for example. Um, I think there is truth to the uh, the cliche that the line ends up wearing on people. It's a, uh, um, or perhaps you could go back to the Clemson Alabama title game where you know Clemson just ran 500 plays and eventually it just you know Alabama's defense wore out. Um, I think. You know, we'll have some very ineffective first halves of football, um, especially if, you know, they have some good corners and we, we're not, you know, as confident throwing the ball uh, with, with Chad or whoever's back there. Um, but it's, I don't know. I, I think there will be, you know, a game or two this season where it just is stifled and that pretty much derails our, uh, our primary offense. We'll have to figure something else out. Um, but I I do believe in this offensive line, and uh, I do think that this is a different team. It's a different look than uh, when when Dane was here, and uh, I think the fans and everyone else is just gonna have to embrace that we're just a a smash mouth football team, as they say. Yeah, coming from the Oklahoma State uh, school of thought for offense, um, I've always you know liked to see teams throw the ball. Uh, to set up the run because, as you mentioned, running the ball wears on team as the game goes on. And I also believe that um, teams are, are less likely to look for the pass uh, in the first couple possessions. So if you can throw it around on them and get them on their heels immediately, then you can stuff it with the run. But it's, obviously, uh, it's obvious that this is not going to happen this year. Um, so then we think, you know, are we running the ball to set up the pass or are we just – 
running the ball, and that's what we're going to do. Uh, so, again, we'll learn more in, against teams that are a little bit more talented. You know, Brett brought up a good point. He's not able to join us on the podcast, but he texted us uh, some of his hot takes, and he said, you know, this this is good and all. We scored 66 points, but this same defense, losing in Lafayette, is the worst scoring defense in college football as of right now. They allowed 48 points to an FCS team last week. So he still thinks that there's more to be seen. He said that the quarterback competition is over for now. I agree with him, but he does bring up a good point um, in that, you know, we said Lafayette's uh, offense may be better than we think. Well, perhaps their defense is a lot worse uh, than we think. So um, more to be seen. Don't want to jump anything too quickly, but uh, do want to talk about Chad, of course. So uh, what were your thoughts on what you saw from Chad at the quarterback position? I thought he looked a lot more comfortable this week. He did um, a good job staying in the pocket. Um, yeah, it seemed like he spread it out to his receivers a bit more. Um, and he threw for 247, 243 yards, um, which is not a lot, but it's more than what Ch- what Dane was passing for against. I kind of viewed this game kind of like the uh, San Jose State game uh, where we were just running the ball at will and never had to stop. So it was more than Dane threw it for in that game. So it was not a small amount of passing yards. So... Uh, what do you see from Chad, and do you agree with Brett and I that the quarterback competition is over for now? Yeah, I agree with that. I think he's our guy until we have uh, proof otherwise. I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, if Toledo gets up on us pretty bad and, you know, midway through the fourth quarter we see a little bit of Luke Skipper just to kind of like, okay, the game's over, let's just get him some experience. But uh, I would still expect to see Chad as our president or Chad as our president, Chad as our quarterback. <laughs> uh, uh, sorry, Clancy. Uh, Chad as our uh, quarterback going into uh, New Mexico the next week, um, despite a loss or despite a poor performance. Um, you know, Montgomery might have to field some questions saying, you know, we're still, it's an open battle. We'll see what the guys do this week. But I, I expect him to be the starter both for Toledo and uh, New Mexico, regardless of what happens. Um, regarding the uh, Louisiana game, I'm trying to, you know, stay realistic and stay centered. I think, uh, it's, it's really easy to get up and down when you have a a new guy involved. There's, I mean, you see like the NFL, uh, one, the, the little first round pet project quarterback that a team drafts has like one good quarter in the preseason. Everyone freaks out and says, you know what? Replace that guy. We can trade him. Get that guy's the new guy. Uh, Trubisky, NFL MVP already. Uh, like any 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 little flash uh, that you see is going to be taken to the extreme. Or you know, if he gets in there and struggles his first couple drives, you you think he's just trash and he's not. He can't do it. Um, clearly, this is a different team than uh, last year's team. Um, I keep stating that, but I think it needs to be stated for people to realize that. I mean, it's going to look different. Uh, Chad's not going to be throwing the same passes that Dane. Uh, he's not going to throw it the same way that Dane threw it, um, but he can do things that Dane couldn't really do. Um, we had the Dane keeper work every time, but uh, that was more of a testament to uh, one, our run game and how much you had to commit to stopping our run game. But two, you you just knew that Dane Evans wasn't going to beat you with his feet until he you know won two overtime games doing that last year. Uh, it, I think he's fine uh I, I i watched the highlights i guess the guy on the broadcast said remembered uh, this guy's only a third year quarterback here uh, like that he is still like super young or something um i mean he is he's got room to grow he's only been playing the position for what five or six years now uh, he's never gonna have the same arm as dane evans or uh, uh you know someone that's a primarily uh just a pocket passer and doesn't have anything else to his game but at the same time, when he does the read option, you have to respect that he can run. Uh, when you, uh, um, you know, get back pressure in the pocket, uh, he's he's probably more likely to be able to spin out of it or avoid it than a uh, Dane would be able to. Um, I, I don't know. I don't. I'm trying to stay centered. He had a good game, but you know, the entire week leading into it, or even before that, we just knew. I mean, like this is going to be a run up to score, get our confidence back game. Um, so. I'm trying not to, you know, completely hop on. Chad's the answer. He he did everything right, and let's just do like ride him for the rest of the season. Uh, but at the same time, I know a lot of people are unhappy that he doesn't have a 
NFL caliber arm with the accuracy and all that as a redshirt sophomore uh, quarterback. Um, I, I surprisingly I don't have too much to say about Chad this week. I think you know this is kind of a almost a scrimmage of a game, uh, but yeah, I mean <laughs> I don't have too much too many hot takes on this one this week. Yeah, I think um, one of the questions that I have, uh, thoughts that I have is, uh, you know, first of all, I think the quarterback competition is uh, not alive as of now mm-hmm. um, because, you know, Chad led some very successful long touchdown drives. Um, he did a good job throwing the ball. Uh, but, you know, the question that I have is did Chad – do anything to improve the run game or was the run game just a product of the offensive line and the running backs. And again, I'm not able to watch the game on TV. I don't really know how many read options are going on. Um, how, how many yards did Chad run for in the game? I wanted Redford. to say, 15 but oh, yeah that counts sacks and it, like it counts that. sacks how many times do you get sacked though well he had that huge fumble um so you know he i mean i just come back to how much is a mobile quarterback going to help a run game that's already extremely dominant uh so then i go to who's the better passer and from what i've seen which is very limited uh luke's a better passer but chad to look very comfortable um, if you remember this time last year, we were all talking about how uh, we were asking what was wrong with Dane's passing game because uh, he was not getting off to you know the best of starts. Threw for only 198 against San Jose State, only uh, 120 something versus Ohio State in the game where he threw four interceptions. Um, so we were wondering what's going on with Dane. Uh, but then as the season got on, the passing game just got getting better and better and better. Uh, perhaps that will happen with Chad. Uh, remains to be seen. Um, and yeah, again, we'll learn more next week as we learn every week. Um, so I wanted to talk also uh, a topical question. Two games into the season, what has been different than what uh, you expected than preseason? Um, and then from that, we'll talk about maybe how our expectations and view on the season have changed. Um, so for me, the most surprising thing is, and I've talked to a couple of other people um, you know, not necessarily involved in the program, but close enough to know, um, is that I was surprised of the limited number of receivers we were using. Um, Josh Stewart, Justin Hobbs, Keenan Johnson, Nigel Carter, those are pretty much the four guys that are playing um, all the snaps. And uh, I didn't see much difference on anything different on Saturday. Um, so I thought we'd see a lot more players. I thought we'd see Bishop Louie after his good spring game performance. I thought we'd see Broderick Umblance. Um, and then, I mean, I thought we'd see players maybe like um, Leek Jackson, Jordan Brown, uh, Jerry and Anderson. Um, any of the tight ends getting catches. Yeah, yeah. Any of the tight ends getting catches. Rob Reeder had a touchdown last year. Um, so. That's probably the most surprising thing to me. Um, but if you think about it, last year Keenan Johnson didn't play until the Houston game. And um, maybe it's, maybe the same thing's going to happen this year. I think Montgomery is very good about evaluating talent as the season goes on. You know, That's why we see a guy like Allie Green come in and play meaningful minutes, uh, even though he's just a true freshman. I don't think he's afraid to yank anybody, put anybody in. Um, so perhaps we'll see different receivers later on. So that's probably the most surprising thing for me. Uh, Zach, you have any uh, thoughts on what has been different for you this year than what you thought in the preseason? Uh, most surprising probably is that, uh, I mean, I agree the wide receivers being so limited is uh, is surprising. For me, though, it's the defensive performance. Um, I mean, we obviously lost some key guys last year uh, coming into this year, but I really did think that we would uh, – you know have somewhat of a i thought we'd have a better better half defensive team in uh in our conference and so far it doesn't look that way um there's still time to turn it around like i like we mentioned earlier there's so many new faces and so many new positions just you know not only trying to figure it out for themselves but also as a team as a unit which is super important for the defense to uh, be able to you know move together communicate um you know each person uh 
to quote Inner Belichick, uh, do do their job in order to ensure that the the person next to them can succeed. Um, the defense, yeah, has probably been the main surprise for me is uh, how slow out of the gate they've been, um, uh, both metaphorically but also physically. They just they they seem to be you know sluggish on the field. Uh, last year, we were surprised by the defense in a positive way. Of I mean, man, like they they were getting stops. They were getting three and outs against Ohio State. Um, they were swarming to the ball. Someone was wrapping up a guy, and there was two three guys all converging to to make the tackle um haven't seen that as much this year but there's still plenty of time left um but two games in i think that's been the most surprising thing for me yeah that's a great point um and then additionally i would wanted to bring up the running backs Uh, another thing that surprised me you know we know what we had in brewer um, Mm -hmm. but you know Corey taylor last year was a guy that was brought in uh randomly uh in goal line i think it was houston was the first time we saw him once again um, and you're bruised to a touchdown. Although, okay, well, you know he'll be he'll be like a Zach Langer type back for us. But I mean, the, no no offense to Zach Langer, but <laughs> Corey Taylor can really make some things happen. Um, he runs hard. He runs uh, on balance, and he can make some moves too. He had a great game versus OSU, over 100 yards, and another good game on Saturday. And then now you have Shamari Brooks thrown into the mix, a true freshman, a guy that I thought for sure would redshirt. Um, you throw him into the mix, and he's playing well. I mean, obviously, all credit to the offensive line, but those three guys are extremely talented. And as I mentioned in my article, we're going to need the other two because, I mean, we can't hang it. We can't hand it off to Brewer thirty-eight times a game like we did um, today and expect him to not slow down and wear down as the season goes on. So that was probably another thing that's um, more impressive uh, and different than what I would thought in the off season. Yeah, and before before we move on, uh, I just want to give a shout out to uh, D'Angelo Brewer, career high uh, uh, yardage, rush yardage in a, in a game, as well as I believe his career long rush for a touchdown, uh, or no single rush. He he was stopped at the what the three yard line. He was pretty upset yeah. about that. Um, also, shout out to Shamari Brooks, the the freshman from Union, who uh, got his first career touchdown uh, Saturday, and then again Corey Taylor for uh, you know coming in and being much more of a featured back as opposed to a who's oh that's Corey taylor in there okay cool mm-hmm. uh that was basically how he was used last year um it's it's good to see that he's getting as many touches this year and like you said i mean if we're going to run the ball 72 times as a as the box score says um you would hope that you could spread it out a little more than 38 to one guy um even if he is i believe pretty clearly your your top guy Yep, um, and the, this game kind of reminds me of the uh, of the Fresno State game. You know, a game that um, you know last year in my previews, I I expected San Jose State to be kind of close. Um, I expected North Carolina A and T to be kind of close, and then we ended up blowing out both of those opponents. Uh, so then they came to the Fresno State game, and I was like, oh, okay, well this is going to be a blowout, and then they end up you know struggling right off the. Get, uh, right off the bat so uh, maybe maybe it's a bad game bad two games by the defense again the toledo game is going to be uh is going to be really cool to see um but is there any other thoughts you have about tulsa football uh well we'll come back for a podcast sometime this week uh to do a preview for toledo um but is there any other thoughts about tulsa football before we start talking about uh ncaa football as a whole and what you saw on saturday uh no i mean not really. As of right now, it's, I mean, there's a slight concern, you know, like a eyebrows raised type of concern at this point for, you know, the defense. Um, Chad, I mean, not necessarily a, a slight against him, but isn't as accurate and as, as polished as Dane Evans was last year with his passing. Um, I believe even he would agree with that. Uh, not a slight. He can work and get better, but uh, it's, it's, it's definitely something that's jumped out at a lot of people. Um, the rushing it struggles in the first half for the first parts of drives. Um, we, I, there's, there's a lot of things that need work, but they are all very improvable as far as I'm concerned. I believe, um, you know, the offensive line is a, a consistent presence. Um, as much as we wouldn't have believed it two years ago, Redford, Redford Jones is rock solid as a kicker. I believe he, uh, what is a 46 yarder? Uh, that first kick with room to spare. Yeah, that was a clean forty-six yard field goal. 
Um, that might be his tied for career long, I believe, which he which he set back at the uh, the the bowl game last year, um, something like that. So I mean, that we can get made, our people to look at it. He yeah, we'll we'll get the the staff on it. Basically, he he pretty cleanly and casually made a uh, a a field goal that was, as far as I know, his career long. Um, which I mean, credit to our offense to get him in positions where he doesn't have to kick super far. Um, but 46 yards for a for a uh, college kicker is really good. I mean, we have a lot of solid parts on the team. Having an offensive line, having a consistency in the coaching, um, the uh, running backs and receiver weapons that we have, um, and then some of the veterans, but also talented youngsters on defense. Um, uh, there's a lot to work with. It's uh, I'm sure all the coaches are excited to go into work every day about how they can improve. Um, so I. I guess it's like a eyebrows raised concern as far as like, hmm, I hope they do what they're saying they're going to do and keep improving the way that they look like they're improving. Um, there's no indications otherwise, but um, yeah, it's like a cautiously optimistic feeling, I believe, for Tulsa football heading into Toledo next week. Nice. Redford makes a 46-yard field goal. Um, he made one in 2015, 2016, and now in 2017, so... Well, that, that, is, that is his career long, but he's done it uh past three years. So, so I think, I think, he, I think he's getting a, a 50 yarder. Set up the, yeah, okay. I think he's very delay a game, whatever you want to do. So Also, a nine for nine extra points, which is more than the Louisiana kickers can say. <laughs> yeah, that was very, very strange. They were three for five from extra points. <laughs> very, very strange. He, he brought in a walk on and he <laughs> totally missed it. And then he, the other one doinked it off the upright. Very, very strange. Um, so what other games did you get to watch uh, on Saturday? I watched the uh, I watched part of that Arkansas-TCU game, um, and then I watched, of course, the Ohio State-OU game. Um, is there any other games that, uh, that you watch? That was the only one that I really paid attention to. I had a friend come over uh, who went to Oklahoma, and we both have friends on the team uh, – Shout out to Jordan Smallwood getting his first career touchdown as a senior uh, on a kind of a wide receiver uh, end around play. That I mean, he's huge. So he wasn't going to be denied by that cornerback at the goal line. So shout out to Jordan, uh, Stephen Parker, another friend on the team. So definitely watch the OU Ohio State game uh, beyond the fact that it was just obviously a a big fun game to watch. Then I believed I watched a little bit of USC or whatever was on later, but I wasn't paying too much close attention to that one um so yeah mainly the uh the ohio state oklahoma game yeah and it was um it was fun to watch college football was pretty good this weekend uh next weekend it's not gonna be very good you know what the uh, marquee game is saturday night well it was it was miami florida state and uh it got canceled um, so now there is no like marquee ESPN game, but Fox has a game in prime time. Any guesses on who it is? Georgia Tech, Tennessee, Texas, uh, USC, USC. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is uh, that is your Saturday night entertainment if you're a college football fan. Uh, nonetheless, you got the Tulsa Toledo game, which I think is going to be a lot of fun. I think that's a six o'clock tip or yeah, six o'clock kick. Um, <laughs> So I'll watch that one, but yeah, uh, man, that Ohio State OU game that was a lot of fun. Um, you know, I was glad OU won uh, for the sake of the Big Twelve. I do love Ohio State, but uh, I did find myself cheering for OU for the sake of the Big Twelve. And you know, a win by TCU really helped the Big Twelve. Uh, just don't pay attention to Baylor and uh, the Big Twelve. I guess not too bad. Um, but we got to talk about uh, Baker Mayfield parading around the stadium. And uh, attempting to stab the flag of OU into the O on a turf field, um, Zach. What were your uh, What were your thoughts on that and uh, his uh, his follow up apology today at uh, the press conference? Um, real quick uh, aside, um, I was watching that game and I realized that uh, I mean I've said Tebow quite a bit as far as what Chad President I think is represented for this team as far as like. He isn't the most effective passer, but somehow the ball moves down the field. Uh, I I actually realized that I think my ideal situation is for Chad President to become our JT Barrett. 
Yeah, you know? I was I was actually talking to people about that. I was like, I would be really curious what our offense would look like with JT Barrett at quarterback because um, he doesn't look like a good passer to me. And I was just I was just curious. But anyway, go ahead with your thought. But that's he, funny. I brought up the same point. That's basically. I I mean I think ideally Chad, you know, if he could become a three year starter, if he could, you know, be mobile enough, have a full grasp of the offense, uh, has weapons offensive line or receivers tight ends running backs all around him that can make plays uh you know just full confidence full command of the uh the playbook uh, knows what his coach wants him to do um is established in the uh position um i think if he could grow into that as a as a player i think chad president could be uh successful here at tulsa obviously it looks different than if you know say Sam Bradford was Ohio State's quarterback. Obviously, you're running something different there. But, um, I, yeah, I was watching some of the passes that JT Barrett missed, which were, you know, 30 yard. The guy, like, the guy was behind the defense and he was 30 yards down the field and, you know, was overthrown, which looked exactly like uh, a play that Chad overthrew uh, Hobbs on earlier that day. Um, I mean, it's, I couldn't play college quarterback. There's very few people, most of the people that, you know, say these guys can't throw would do a much worse job than the guys that are doing the throwing. Um, but yeah, my, my ideal is for him to become a Tulsa's JT Barrett. I mean, you know, we've, we've been no, we're not shy about our, our love for these, the small glimpses we've seen of Luke's Luke Skipper. But, uh, at the same time, if, if Chad president can grow into this role and we, you know, just keep rolling, keep winning, uh, I'm definitely not going to be calling for his job anytime soon. So, um, with that aside, let's get to Baker. Let's get to Baker. Um, I don't know. I have no problem with it. He's, it was, I, he was running around and I pointed out to my friend, I'm like, that is just 100% him from what I know about him. I don't know him personally. I know people that have interacted with him. I've watched him, you know, as much as you can watch him in the public eye. Um, it was, I mean, he's an emotional guy. He's a spontaneous guy. Uh, he does things that, you know, are, perhaps faux pas or anything like that that uh most people wouldn't do i wasn't surprised by it as soon as he started running around the flag i i immediately knew he was either a gonna run around the entire stadium with the flag or b run to midfield and do something and that's i mean what he ended up doing um as far as the apology is concerned i mean OU is paying for a school. They have to, you know, keep their brand image right. The the president, the coaches, all of them have the right to ask him to, you know, go and stand up there and apologize. But at the same time, um, as much as they have the, uh, the freedom to uh, to ask him to do that, and uh, you know, the freedom of speech to make him apologize in a sense, um, I I don't fault him for it, and I have my freedom of speech as far as. Uh, I mean, I was perfectly fine with it. I'm not upset like a lot of my friends are that he was asked to apologize, just like I wouldn't be upset if he, you know, that was the end of it. There was no more words about it. He didn't speak about it. There was no apology. Um, I guess kind of like Chad President last game, I'm I'm pretty ambivalent uh, as far as uh, what he did post game. I abhorred it. Wow. I also hate Baker Mayfield, so I'm privy to hating anything he does. But um, I hated it, and uh, I I was laughing at him running around the stadium with a flag. I thought it was over the top, but it was you know it was lighthearted. But then it was just I mean, you said uh, you know you can't like it was perfect that Baker did it, and you know I agree with you. I couldn't imagine anyone else doing it, but. I also don't think that if anyone else did it, he would have received as much positive support as um, as Baker did. But Baker is just such a baller, just such a fratty, in-your-face, arrogant type of guy that it worked for him somehow. But if that was – man, I, I can't think of um, a different player um, – but if it was if it was anyone else, I just feel like that the backlash would have been more so uh, because it was such an unexpected and crazy thing to do. Um, they, uh, you know, they talked about how uh, they felt disrespected because Ohio State sang their alma mater on the field afterwards, and like, 
that's just like that. That's something that they do every single game. Like Ohio State always sings their alma mater on the field afterward. Tulsa sang their alma mater on the field after the OSU game. Um, that is not the same as staking the flag in the middle of the O. Um, as I mean, I said I wasn't entertained by it. Um, I saw it and I hated it. But you know, talking about it now, it, it's hard to not crack a smile. Um, and I, I mean, I was happy to see him apologize, whether it was forced or not. Like at least. OU had the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? There is a word for it. Whenever you're knowledgeable <laughs> about yourself, what is that? Self-conscious or, I mean. Someone is yelling it right now that's listening to this. But, unfortunately, I can't hear him. But I'll, I'll say um, I'll say consciousness. Yeah, <laughs> at least they were conscious enough um, to realize how bad it looked. But then again, like I like I said, I feel like I might be in a minority for um I mean, of course, a lot of my Twitter is made of OU fans, but even uh that Pistols Firing account that I followed was like, "Oh yeah, it's awesome." Like like if, if you went on the road, then you know, you can do whatever you want. Like if they didn't want him to do that, they should have won. And like that's just not my thoughts on it at all. But uh, like I said, I'm privy to hating anything Baker Mayfield does, but um yeah, that, I, I guess that's pretty much all I have to say about it. Um, yeah. As a somewhat OSU fan, I'm, I mean, I didn't expect OSU to win Bedlam at the beginning of the year. Um, I don't expect them to win it now, and I certainly don't expect them to win it twice, which is what they'll need to do to make the playoffs. So um, that's disappointing. But, uh, yeah, I, I guess that kind of sums up my thoughts on the whole thing. You guys sent it to me, and I was uh, – not pleased whenever I saw it, but it was just such a perfect OU Baker Mayfield thing to do. So, yeah, I mean, I think the only people that are upset about it are people whose team name is OSU, uh, <laughs> and also uh, old guys that pretty much exclusively watch golf tournaments but still comment <laughs> on every other sport. Um, yeah, I mean, he's a college student. It's not like I understand. Uh, I guess that i mean you're supposed to behave in a certain way but like you said it's it's it was 100 percent him it wasn't like what's his name austin kendall or whoever the backup quarterback or whatever the guy's name is hey uh, connor mcginnis is a uh, backup for ou if, and uh, i went to elementary school with him if cyber the kicker was running around <laughs> with the flag and doing that like you'd you'd probably have a little more question about it but this guy has been in the limelight uh he's on espn all the time you know dancing to hip-hop songs and like he he's just just pictures out all the time any game day he's at there's you know pictures of him dressed up in that like ballerina outfit or whatever he was wearing in the dress or whatever uh he's i mean he's he's not embarrassed by it he's just he's 100 percent him all the time um i think there's something to be said for that again i understand if you're a you know oklahoma state or ohio state fan being upset by it but um everyone else i think just sees it as being in good fun and like it's true to his character it's kind of like you know you see steph curry take a three and he just turns up court and starts running down court and you go oh man that's you know that's pretty cocky but like you kind of smile about it too it makes all the highlights you're like oh curry he's that you know that little rascal <laughs> just running <laughs> you down sound like the old play. man that watches golf tournaments now. yeah i, I it's, <laughs> like i mean it's it's in good fun if, if but you know if Westbrook started doing it um it you know there'd be a slightly different take it's uh, he's also a super confident bordering on overconfident player um which it I I guarantee there'd be a different reaction if if Westbrook started you know running down court when he was taking threes um or I mean just anybody if anybody else was doing that there'd be a different reaction um Draymond Green is it's he can have a normal foul that like no one else would care about, but because it's him, the fans will boo him mercilessly. They'll, you know, light up social media because he had a dirty foul, which wasn't even like it was reviewed and wasn't even called a flagrant. Like it, I, I think there's something to be said about like being a known quantity. Like they know your personality um, and continuing to act in the way that everyone knows you're going to act. Um, he's a, emotional, spontaneous, a uh, guy that you know does things that a lot of people won't do um i know there's a story that he showed up in bob stoops's office saying that he transferred to ou before even talking to the coaches that he wanted to play football there 
Um, which is like, well, yeah, that's, I mean, that's crazy, but I could totally see Baker doing that. Um, I think, I think it was just, uh, a big win for OU and I think it became a story just because of, um, you know, who he is. He's a Heisman hopeful and the two teams involved. Yeah. So I think you're actually saying the exact opposite of what I was saying. I was saying that people are so accustomed to his craziness and antics that, they're okay with this, where if it was somebody that just did this, they would be like, what in the world? Um, but, yeah, you know, you, I, you you may be right. Um, I was just saying that because your example of Draymond Green, a normal foul turns into something big. I think this is the exact opposite. I think this is Draymond Green kicking someone in the balls, and they're like, well, there he goes again. <laughs> and, and, you know, um, but anyway, that that is yeah. enough Baker Mayfield talk for my taste, <laughs> but uh, I'll let you get in what you're going to say. Uh, I mean, there's not much else to say. He's the third best quarterback in uh, Oklahoma, so it's all right. <laughs> wow, <laughs> I didn't know OSU's backup was that good. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, well, this was uh, this was pretty fun. Uh, we'll be back again on Thursday with hopefully a guest. Uh, I thought that, I think that was a lot of fun. I think that'd be a good Thursday thing to do. Well, I guess we'll do it on Thursday night, so it'll be out on Friday. But um, if you haven't had a chance to check out that Trent Martin podcast, go ahead and give it a listen. It's something that you can listen to anytime. Um, and yeah, Zach, you have any uh, parting thoughts before we uh, close this up? Is there any chance we get Toledo's quarterback on? Probably not. Probably not. Okay. <laughs> well, I might skip Thursday then. Just kidding. <laughs> All right, yeah, I mean. Yeah, I'm trying to decide if I want to do well, someone associated okay. with Toledo or... Um, another former TU football player, or maybe, I don't know. If you all have ideas, send them to us. Um, I talked to a uh, former TU football player today and got a, ideas for who else we should talk to, and he gave me a couple interesting ones. So um, I'm all for it. Now that we've got the technology and now that we've uh, we've we've done it with Trent, which is, you know, it'd be hard, it's going to be hard to beat him. But um, He was pretty good. He was pretty good, but we'll see. We'll see what else is going on. Yeah, I mean, it's good win. I mean, anyone's a good win in college football. Uh, we don't believe in quality losses here because we're not an SEC country. Um, but, yeah, looking forward to this Toledo game. It should be, uh, at the very least, entertaining. I agree. I agree. All right, y'all. Thank you for listening. And until next time, Rain Kane.